Hi, welcome back to another episode of Womanhood in the Rough. So I think a lot of us can agree that things that are normalized maybe aren't as normal as they should be. For example, you know, maybe you're a heavy bleeder during your period or you have really debilitating cramps or even pain during pregnancy. So a lot of these things that are normalized are not actually normal. And today I got to talk to Alexandra Radway, who is a holistic nutritionist, and we dive into everything from before pregnancy, during, and postpartum, and definitely periods. Periods was a big one too, and what was normal and what is not normal. Also, disclaimer for those listening to this episode, uh, you will definitely hear some cries in the background from my baby but then again you know that's how life is things happen babies cry yep so my name is alexandra radway um and i don't know i was i was i am a servant of the lord jesus um and i was you know bought bought by his death on the cross for my sins and he filled me with his spirit and now I know and love him and that's kind of where the rest of my life flows from but I have my wonderful husband Marco um and my two boys Marco and Mateo so lots of m's (laughs) um and and I'm too young for this to happen but sometimes I call Mateo Marco and sometimes I call Marco Mateo but we're working on it um and usually and anyway so yeah and then i am a functional nutritional therapy practitioner and i help women prepare their bodies for pregnancy support them during pregnancy and postpartum so that they can experience the most joyful motherhood possible okay so why are you so passionate about what you do like what led you sure okay Great question. Great question. So, um, I actually, so we'll do, there's a long answer and a short answer. So I'm going to try to get to the medium answer, um, which is basically, I really suffered from like really, really bad, um, cycles, most of my menstruating life. Um, and they basically just were getting continually worse over time. Um, I never got diagnosed, but I met all the criteria of like PMDD, which is like really extreme, um, PMS. Um, and so, yeah, it just kind of was like, basically my periods were ruining my life, which is not a fun place to be in. Um, and I knew that there had to be like, there's another, like I had gone into, um, food. I'd always loved to cook. And then that kind of led me to like nutrition in high school. Unfortunately, not in the most helpful way, I would say. Like I, my mom read this book called clean, which I joke is kind of like orthorexia, like in a bottle, um, which I don't know if, if you're familiar with orthorexia, but that's basically like, um, you know, like obsessive, you know, disordered eating, but specifically an obsessive uh, obsession around only eating like certain clean foods. And so, um, you know, that book really like drove me straight to that, but, but 
Um, I did notice a lot of things like, oh, hey, if you pay attention with what you eat, like you'll feel better, you'll sleep better, your skin will look better. And so that kind of helped me at least be aware of like, hey, how I eat affects how I think and feel. Um, And so that kind of led me down in college. I got to the point with my cycles, like I had one cycle and I literally like was walking between classes and I just like stood up and it was like a waterfall of blood out of my vagina. If I could just cut, like I had a menstrual cup in, I had like the biggest maxi pad in and it was just, and like I had two pants on because it was, I was in Boston and it was the winter. You're getting the long version of the story. This is not the medium version. We're getting the long version. Um, But it was like the middle of the winter and I was so embarrassed because it was like through my second layer of pants, like onto my jeans. Luckily there was a bathroom like 15 feet in front of me, but, um, like it, it was just not a fun experience. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm going to faint. Like, uh, and like, that's very, very not normal, but that was just like how, and that was probably like the worst I experienced, but it was just like, I was just like, oh, you know, like having periods suck. Like this is just how it is. Um, but anyway, so I just, that was one of those, like you have one of those moments where you're like, okay, something's got to change. Like this is not okay. Um, and so that is actually like, I, that's when I started digging. I don't know. I found like an article on um, Dr. Mark Hyman's blog. I don't know if you like, he's pretty well known in the, the field, but he has like an article, like how to end PMS in five steps, essentially. Yeah. And he had like these supplements and like, okay, this like food to do. And so I was just like, you know, even though I was, I was like all in, even though I was, I was a college student, like I had my like um, hot plate and yep. like, my little mini fridge and like I got the sardines and the salad and like I just went on like I had my Vitamix and I just went all in um, which not all the things I would do at this point but like it did like and I bought like I ordered the supplements on Amazon also not something I recommend but like I got all these things and I like took everything I was like really strict I like didn't eat any food out for that whole month mm. but like and then I had my next period and it's just like my period showed up I didn't have any, um, like any PMS symptoms, anything like that. And it was just like the most amazing thing. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is like a miracle. Like I, I, I never thought this was possible. Uh, so that really like was the sort of defining moment in my life that really proved, okay, like, yes, what you eat matters. Yes. Having the right nutrients, like that is going to be you know, what dictates your health. And, you know, as a woman, your cycle is a big um, sign of your overall health. So if we're having issues with our cycle, that means that um, it's not just like this separate problem. It means that we're having issues with our health overall. Um, So anyway, but the the gist of it then is um, actually after that, so I have one really great cycle and then the next cycle, I'm like, gosh, I'm doing all the same things. I can't figure out what's happening. Like, you know, like my period, my cycle's going long again. I'm having these weird symptoms. I'm not feeling good. Like, I don't understand why it worked so well last month and it's not working well this month. Uh, and the reason was it worked a little bit too well and I was actually pregnant with our first son. So, (laughs) so, um, so that's a story in and of itself, but basically that, um, and I like to say he was not 
unwanted, but definitely not planned. Um, And so that just brought a lot of stressors to that pregnancy. My husband, he was like still finishing up school. And so like we were actually living apart for like most of the pregnancy. We were able to like, like I decided I wanted to move here to be close to my family. Um, But like it was just, there was a lot of stressors that went into it. And so, um, cause like we were moving, I, I, fin- I finished up school. I actually like, was about to graduate anyway, which I was really, really yeah. thankful for, um, that I was able to, you know, it just would have been a whole nother level of, um, challenge had I had a full another year of college left. So I was really thankful that I was about to graduate. Um, but that we dove into like renovating our house you know, moving. And then my husband was still finishing up school and I was like alone and just like, and, and we were newlyweds at the time. So just getting used to all of that. So it was, it was a um, interesting time to say the least, but what I, what basically what that culminated in is I faced a lot of challenges with my health during that pregnancy. I had a lot of pain um, and a lot of digestive issues. Um, and, and by pain, I mean like my, my back and pelvis hurt so bad that I would just like lay on my hands and knees and like cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just like, Oh, this is normal pregnancy back pain. Uh, yeah. which it wasn't like, I was like, I was having, um, like kidney issues and my kidneys were like not doing so well, which is kind of a problem, right? You don't want yeah. things to be happening to your kidneys. You don't want your kidneys to be getting damaged. Um, yeah. and if, anyway, So, um, but I think a lot of what that came down to is that, um, like I had a lot of, like, despite all the things that I believe about pregnancy and like, despite, um, gosh, there's more to the story. I'm, I'm a bit all over the place when I tell things, but it's okay. I'll give you lots of fun in the editing room, but, um, what actually led me, um, so I didn't, um, come to know the Lord until college. Um, and how he actually drew me to him was showing me, um, in a very like poignant moment in my life that my beliefs about motherhood were completely false, which is essentially the world's beliefs that like children are a burden. It's this terrible thing. Um, and it's like, you know, just like this, like, why would you want to do that? It's going to ruin your life. Um, like I had, you know, and, and he, in, in a very specific moment showed me um like and that was the first time I was like felt like the Lord was calling me to like a greater purpose or vocation and he showed me no like motherhood is a gift um this is a very valuable thing for you to do with your life and um that is my specific calling for your life um and so like despite Despite knowing that, I was still kind of stuck in like, oh, you know, we had this pregnancy. It wasn't exactly planned. Like, I had a lot of guilt, a lot of that like lingering, like, oh, if you get pregnant, your life is over. Everything's going to be terrible. And so that mentality that I brought in, it led me to a place, right, where I would be in such severe pain, right, that I'm just like bent over in tears. But I was like, oh, I just like, I shouldn't seek medical attention. Like, this is normal. I should have. I shouldn't like maybe try to go see the chiropractor, at least like find some sort of support. Um, And so uh, sort of long winded, but essentially um, nothing really, 
improve through that pregnancy. And I was like, I had holistic midwives. I'm like, I don't want a hospital birth mainly because like my wisdom teeth removal was really traumatic for me. Yeah. And so I'm like, I don't want to see a doctor. I don't want to be in a hospital. I'm like, this is very triggering for me. So, yeah. uh, which led to interesting decisions, but I saw really holistic midwives and I, I, I learned a lot from being like, I learned a lot, which I really appreciated, um, you know, just about different ways of, of, you know, just not like, oh, this is what everyone else is doing. So you should do it in terms of your medical decisions. It really opened my eyes like, oh, hey, like, let's think about like, does this actually make sense? Like, is this a good thing? Um, And so that I was really appreciative of. But even seeing super holistic midwives, like, they had nothing to offer me for like, I had my digestive issues, which was like really severe gallbladder pain. Um, So basically, like, I got to the point in at the end of my second trimester, I'm like, I can't eat any fat. (laughs) Like if I eat, like I can't eat any nuts, I can't eat any avocado, I can't eat butter. Um, Any of that, I just, I'm in like pain for the next four to six hours. Mm -hmm. And so, and all they, like, all I was really offered is like, oh yeah, it's probably your gallbladder. It should go away after the pregnancy's over. Just like try to avoid super fatty foods. Um, And so I basically was like, starving (laughs) the last three months of my pregnancy like I was eating so much food but like you know if you're not eating any fat it's really hard to get like the calories in uh and um I wasn't gaining and like every time I go in like it was the next week and like I like they'd weigh me I hadn't gained any weight like I made it to 165 I believe um so I, I gained like 25 pounds over the course of the pregnancy I just remember every week like from the beginning of my third tri- trimester onward, like every week I'd go in and on the scale and it was still 165. Mm-hmm. And I like, didn't know what to do. I was like, I'm literally eating as much, uh, like as much food as I feel like I could possibly eat. That's like not foods that would trigger pain, yeah. but like nothing was. And, and like my, like after I had my son, like I went in and like literally seven days or like five days after he was born, I was like right at my pre-pregnancy weight, which basically means like I lost weight over wow. the pregnancy. Um, and it was just because my digestion was so compromised, whatever, like I couldn't actually get the nutrients from what I was eating. So needless to say, um, I haven't even gotten to like his birth yet, but we won't belabor that point. But I felt like <laughs> I was really prepared and I had chosen this out of hospital birth and like invested in that and done all these things. But, um, for a variety of reasons, like I didn't know how to advocate for myself. I don't feel like I got proper medical care during my labor process. And I ended up being in like the exact position I didn't want to be in where it was like, okay, like this is not like, okay, we need to really coach your pushing. And now it's like, okay, you need to get baby out now or you're going to die. Like mm-hmm. your baby's going to die. And it's like, um, so, and um, they're like, okay, we need to do an emergency episiotomy or baby's not going to make it. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I have to decide between that and like my baby. And it's just yeah. not, not the type of situation that like, that's not consent. Like, you know, they're like, Oh, we're giving you consent, but it's like, do this or like, yeah, you know, that's not really giving a person consent in that moment. And then like, 
my son wasn't breathing after he was born and um the like paramedics show up and the like these paramedics stomp in and like they're these guys that think they know everything they're like oh baby not breathing cut the cord give him to us like let's go right now um when it's like maybe he just needed to be held by his mom and then he'd be fine like it's only been a few minutes but um anyway and there was definitely um some like some spiritual warfare going on it's like oh you know you should probably think about like if your midwives practice witchcraft that's maybe not a good idea I just yeah. didn't have that awareness at, at that time. But um, thankfully, my son, basically, as soon as they brought him outside, he took his first breath uh, and we were all OK. But it took me like basically they like stitched me up <laughs> right after giving birth. I like got in my mom's car. She drove me to Phoenix Children's Hospital, which is where they had taken my son. And then I go and like I had to sit in a wheelchair on mm-hmm. fresh stitches right after giving birth for the next four to eight hours until they could get us a room. And I didn't like, I didn't actually get any postpartum care, like immediate postpartum care. Like no one was checking my blood pressure. No one was checking anything because I had chosen not to get transferred to like, I wanted to be with my baby. And so since he was in the children's hospital, because that's the, that's where they take babies because that's the best possible place for a baby to be, at least in my area, that's where um, they would take him because they have the most, the best NICU, all of those things. Um, I couldn't be admitted there, so I couldn't actually receive any medical care immediately postpartum. So, um, so that was a lot for me. <laughs> that was a lot for me. Uh, but that, but I like, I, I, I always say that was, I have like a very distinct memory of me like laying on the, they have these like little pullout. It's like basically like a pullout couch it wasn't even a proper bed I had to to rest in but in the NICU with him like he was in the little um bed because they were he was on like a heart rate monitor um and just like seeing my husband there um caring for him caring for me and that was the like that was my happiest memory um of my life and I I think it will continue to be the the happiest moment of my life so all in all however you enter motherhood it is such a wonderful thing. It is such a beautiful gift and a blessing. But I know that it, it didn't. Like, I know my birth didn't have to be that way. And I hear so many similar stories of experiences women go through during pregnancy, during birth. And I know that if they had the right support prior to conception, if they had the right tools during pregnancy, and if they had the skills to find the best possible care providers and to know how to adequately advocate for themselves there, those, those difficult traumatic experiences really could be avoided. And so that's really what, that's what gives me my, my fire, my passion. Um, because basically I was in the point after having my first child where it's like, okay, I survived. Like I made it through that, Yeah. but I don't know if I could, like, I really don't know if I want to sign up for that exact same experience again. Um, And so, I don't know. I threw a lot at you, but that's, that's the, okay. That's maybe the medium long version of the story. <laughs> I love it. I I appreciate your honesty, and I love all the details. I'm here for it. <laughs> Thank you.
could probably talk for hours about this because this yeah. is what you do. Yeah. But I think on a brief, you know, side of things, how can a woman, you know, maybe who wants to get pregnant, who is in pregnancy, or even like postpartum, like what yeah. in each stage could they maybe start doing? So there are like there's some obvious things and then there's some very important and easily overlooked things. Right. Mm-hmm. So some of the obvious things, which maybe aren't so obvious, but um, we got to be eating enough food. <laughs> like it's just yeah. a baseline. Like, and I mean like a lot, like I'm thinking 2,500 to 3,000 calories a day. Right. That's if we're trying, like preparing for pregnancy, pregnant or postpartum. We need to be eating enough nutrient-dense and animal foods. And so, I mean, like, red meat, butter, cream, raw milk, egg yolks. I mean, those are liver. Those are the building blocks of a strong, healthy pregnancy and baby. Obviously, we want a wide variety of fruits and vegetables as well for phytonutrients and antioxidants and um, different fibers that can feed our gut microbiome. So we want, we want the whole picture, um, but in terms of like, okay, where can I get the, the nutrients? It's those nutrient-dense animal foods like fish, eggs, like um, you know, bone-in sardines, like that I could go on. But focusing on those, focusing on protein, and then, um, you know, just eating, like doing, you know, eating breakfast every morning. Eating three meals a day, not pushing, you know, not skipping lunch because we're too busy doing other stuff, which is actually something I'm guilty on, on uh, an area I need to, like, focus on. Because uh, sometimes it's, like, nap time, you know, you're like, okay, well, they're napping, oh, yeah. like, I don't want to spend nap time eating lunch, I got other stuff to, which, you know, like, eating lunch is an important thing that might be worth yeah. using some of nap time for. So, but, like, that is obviously the, like, the foundation that's the only way you can give your body the the like make the the nutrients available to your body and then there's sort of these other things like thinking about digestion right because it's not just what we're eating is if we're able to break down and absorb the nutrients from those foods mm-hmm. so that's a big step often that people are missing um, especially if we're like oh i eat this like perfect diet and i'm just hyper focused on like eating these clean, perfect foods so I can be healthy. But then, you know, you're like wolfing down all your food without even taking a second to chew or you're eating in front of the TV where you're completely distracted and you're not giving your body like the signals it needs to, you know, be prepared and be ready to digest. Or you're like always just like munching on a granola bar where you're like driving around town. All of these habits where it's, it's like maybe we're hyper fixated on the foods, but Honestly, you'd be better off just like eat food, but actually chew it and um, take some, you know, put yourself in a relaxed state before you eat the food. Um, And that's what's going to give your body what it needs to, at at a minimum, give it at at least a chance to be able to have what it needs to break down and absorb those foods. And, And there's, you know, a whole nother level we can take on where there's, we can use things like digestive bitters or different, you know, digestive supportive supplements to kind of bridge the gap until we're getting, you know, back to where we want to be. But after, okay, are the foods in our diet, we have to look at, okay, what is our ability to break down and absorb those foods? 
a big thing that people miss as well is um, hydrate the role hydration plays in digestion mm -hmm. and specifically not um, not trying to get all your hydration in like when you're actually eating food and not drinking water that is devoid of electrolytes because yeah like salt and minerals um, those are actually really important for our gastric secretions for our stomach acid so if we're eating drinking a huge quantity of water with meals and we're um, that's going to dilute all of those digestive juices and they won't be able to actually act and do the chemical breakdown of our food. So most people, they're missing the mechanical breakdown of their food, which is the chewing aspect. Most people don't get that right. Like, cause we like take two chews and then we swallow cause we're in a rush. And then most people as well, don't give their body what they could need to do the chemical breakdown of their food. Um, and that looks like chewing. I'm sorry, not chewing. Um, having the nutrients the yeah. like the the hydration all of those things um to produce stomach acid to produce pancreatic enzymes to produce bile and then um not drinking like a huge quantity of water right when you're eating that's going to dilute all of that so it can't actually act on the food that you've eaten so and i'm gonna do one more thing and then i'll kind of like we'll, we'll wrap some of this up but yeah so those are like, okay, kind of obvious things. And then I think the third, like really important thing, not so obvious things that people miss is having a healthy relationship with sunlight um, and avoiding harmful artificial light. Um, specifically for women's hormones, we are meant to be most fertile. Like women are most fertile in the summer. Uh, and there's like reasons behind that right so it's like we're having babies you know in the spring not like right before winter like there's it's just like okay before it's winter babies had like six months to get nice and, and strong and and healthy so they can you know make it through winter as opposed to like a newborn you know trying to survive through winter we're thinking in like a pre you know pre-modern context without heating yeah. and all of those things yeah but also the sun is really important having the right types of light, that's actually a very important nutrient for um, ovulation. And ovulation is what is what allows a healthy menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. And so just because we're bleeding doesn't mean we're having an actual menstrual cycle. For it to be a real menstrual cycle, we need to have ovulation. A lot of women experience anovulation. I would say that I experienced anovulatory menstrual cycles for like 90 90% seven percent of the like menstrual cycles i've experienced i think i've had a handful of ovulatory ones two like two of which led to pregnancies which led to you know a long time without cycling um yeah. but uh that is um so what does that mean to have a healthy relationship in light with light that means early morning sun exposure right without a hat without sunglasses without sunscreen um, that does mean things like watching the sunrise, watching the sunset, not sleeping in, you know, till like 10 o'clock and you don't see the light of day until the early afternoon. Yeah. And that also means that after the sun goes down, we need to experience darkness. We want to get rid of that blue light um, so the body understands and can re-engage with that natural rhythm. Um, and that's actually um, one of the things that was 
I didn't mention, but I had, we experienced secondary infertility between our two boys. Um, and mostly because of my, you know, struggle with ovulating consistently. Mm -hmm. Um, and a simple thing that turned the needle literally within one cycle was just like, Hey, you need to wake up, like get some sunlight first thing in the morning and then not like eat dinner at like eight o'clock right before you go to bed. Yeah. Um, under like really bright light and all of those things. So I think that's another thing. And most of us, we've been taught so much like, oh, fear the sun. It causes skin. So, like skin cancer rates have not gone down with the institution of sunscreen. Um, yeah. So it's not it's not the sun. It's the um, rancid seed oils in diets, because if you eating rancid seed oils, your skin is made up of fats. And so if you're eating rancid seed oils as opposed to um stable saturated fats your skin will become rancid and unstable yeah and then when is it exposed to the stressor of the sun it's unstable and that will what leads to the proliferation of um um mutated cells right which is is cancer and yeah. so doesn't mean we should like you know get lobster burnt every day but we can build like if we have healthy fats in the diet if we build up a, a, a tan we can have that healthy relationship with the sun the same applies to our eyes and cataracts it's a, it's a, it's the same process that's going on yeah so those are some of the things there's a lot more that i could say but i think that's like if you get that you're you're off to a really good start and i have to mention too that that goes like sleep plays a big role in that too. We need to be sleeping. And basically that means if we turn off our screens, if we turn off our lights, as soon as the sun goes down, we're going to get good sleep, <laughs> right? Cause there's nothing left yeah. to do. You're just going to go to bed. Cause you're going to be like, Oh, actually I'm tired if I'm not <laughs> staring at a screen or like they, I don't have these bright lights on stressing me out um, yeah. after dark. And so I'm just going to go to bed and then you wake up. I'm like, Oh, I'm so refreshed. I have so much energy. I feel so great. I'm going to go outside and like, go get some sun because I feel so good. And now I feel even better. And now we're, you know, it's just a, we're feeding a positive feedback loop, loop instead of a negative feedback loop that women are often feeding. Yeah. So, that, yeah, I, go ahead. I know this isn't a question I uh, had given you before, but I was, while you were talking, I was just thinking like, what about, you know, moms who, are nursing throughout the night or have yeah. a toddler running around and maybe don't yeah. have that energy to yeah. like get up early or, you know, maybe they're up really late with the baby. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, what do you suggest in doing with that? You just got to commit and dive in. No matter how tired you are, you can get up and go sit outside for 10, yeah. 15 minutes. Cause you know what? That's going to help your baby to go to sleep better tonight. Our first son, he, we had a other issue. He had a tongue tie that we never identified or revised that affects sleep because of the air, its impact on the airway, those sorts of things. But we were still lingering on a very, like we literally were at Ikea at 1030 the night before I went into labor with my son. And I was 42 weeks pregnant at the time. Like we had no awareness because we were trying, we had like one thing left in, I didn't have a sink in my master bedroom. And I was like, I can't have this baby. Unless we have a sink. Um, <laughs> so we were at Ikea buying a sink. Um, like till it closed, like at 10, 30, 11, like the night yeah. before I gave birth. Um, we had no aware. I had no awareness of the importance of light. I'd be like, oh, I will not eat anything that isn't organic. I will not eat any, like any of this list of foods. But I had no awareness of the, the stressor, like 
I was like, oh, I'm totally fine basking under this super toxic light at all hours of the day. <laughs> Our son would not, like, he would not sleep. Yeah. <laughs> he would not sleep, right? You know, it's like, it's like, a cl- like 10, 30, 11, and you're like, I'm exhausted. Why won't this kid sleep? Right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, did he get morning light in the morning so he could produce melatonin? Did you know that the baby's melatonin production in the first three months, he actually gets melatonin from mom's breast milk. Mm. So it's dependent on mom's circadian rhythm. So if mom has a healthy circadian rhythm before having baby, baby's going to sleep better. And yeah. so that's, that's things I had no awareness of that made my experience of motherhood much more challenging because it's hard, right? It's hard if you're not, you need sleep. Right. I joke with my husband, like, like I, and I joke with my ladies too. It's like, you, you don't need to watch like this show on Netflix that you really like, but you need sleep. Like you literally will die if you don't get enough sleep. Um, it is very important, but, um, your baby also needs to have the right inputs and like the right environment situation to Mm. be able to sleep well Two Part of that is getting the morning sunlight. And I get it. I've been there where you're, you wake up every day and you're just, you feel like you're in the pit of like yeah. the worst fatigue you could ever possibly experience. But I know like, unless we're like, you know, like, you know, day 10 yeah. of like some really bad illness, you know, unless we're like actually, you know, very, right. very sick, like you can get up, open yeah. your door, sit on your front porch, holding your baby, like put him in the carrier, bring your toddler, give him a truck, Yeah, <laughs> you know, or a dog that's very yeah but like girls can have a truck too right give them a truck so we're gonna <laughs> sit here for the next 15 minutes yeah and it, like you can do that um and so uh, like it's and it's going to help the next night right the next night's going to be better and that's why I exp- like our second son which I was like I slept like sun goes down my blue light blockers are on like screens are off obviously not perfect but like yeah very very aware in the yeah. morning when I was pregnant, you know, went out, got my morning light. Um, our second son set like sun goes down. He gets mm. t- I nurse him. He goes to sleep. He stays asleep, you know, not like perfectly through the whole night, but like for a right. few hours. Yeah. Um, it's just, it was just a much more, um, a much healthier rhythm for him. And I got much better. I was just much less exhausted with him, even though, you know, I had another kid and a business I was running. It was because he would just, instead of being like up all night, he would just get tired and go to sleep. I was like amazed, like every single night, like 738, he's tired. He goes to sleep. Um, And that was true. Like that's been true for the past. I mean, unless we're traveling or something like that, but that was like consistent Except yeah. we had, like, one random, like, one-month period. I don't know what was going on there. But, like, overall <laughs> consistent throughout his whole infancy. Um, yeah. And it was a night and day difference between him and our other son. Which, you know, it could just be they're different children. They're different kids. Yeah. But to me, it was, like, very yeah. obvious. I'm like, okay, I'm doing these, these, these proven things that will improve sleep quality. And it's helping me get better rest when I do have the chance to sleep. And it's helping um, the baby actually have a more manageable natural sleep pattern yeah so what are like top things that like you realized over the years that you're like I should absolutely stay away from these I know you had said kind of like blue light at night um, and like that artificial but like maybe what are a couple of other things that you're like absolutely not so really in terms of like 
you know, when I give a dietary framework or other types of things, like I like to be very welcoming for foods because I, I, I don't abide like, oh, food is fuel and just like, like, yeah, being overly rigid about food doesn't actually help in a lot of cases. There are some cases like, okay, we need to like three months dive in. We got to do some healing. We really got to take out all the stressors and do that. But for like long term, you know, we want to yeah. welcome a full range of properly prepared foods. But yeah. for me, there's things I'm like, okay, this isn't actually food. Like it's, it's motor oil essentially that they've yeah. convinced people that they can eat. And you, because like you won't die from eating it right away. You'll just like slowly yeah, like die <laughs> over your life. Um, and so that's like, so seed oils are really like my big, like avoid those. Yeah. Really like do, do the best that you can to not have them in your diet. Unfortunately in America, if like anything's like fried or cooked in oil in a restaurant, it's most likely either canola or soybean oil. Um, once upon a time, everything was cooked in lard, um, which is, um, which is, you know, we could get into if the pigs are like pasteurized and great, that, then it, that is a healthy fat. If they're like fed yeah. grain and they basically turn it into seed oil within their body. Yeah. So there are some issues there, but I'd still pick lard, even if it's like um, um, conventionally fed over canola oil, over soybean oil any day of the yeah. week. Yeah. Um, and so those are honestly like, I like, to, those are my one big no-no. And then there's like the obvious things like, artificial like highly processed foods it's like it's not food right mm -hmm. so um so to me like that's I don't know that's pretty obvious I get that's not pretty like that's not obvious to everyone but I'm like okay you, you yeah. just like th there's never really um like I never see like oh we're obligated to eat like Cheetos or something like that and if we're yeah. craving that right um there means there's like a deeper imbalance there. And so I really, I'm like, let's accept the full, like the full range of foods. But if something's not actually a food, it's like, okay, did this grow from the ground or like come from an animal or like, if we can see, you know, it's connection with the earth and I just don't really consider it a food and I don't see a place for it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but, but my other thing is that often the, the, the thing we're really missing is like we're drinking tap water and not filtering it. Mm -hmm. So that's a big issue as well. Um, if we're constantly drinking um, tap, and that's one of the, in my program, that's one of, actually one of the first lessons. So I'm like, honestly, the, not the foods don't matter, but like that's a big stressor to overcome. Like people think about stressors um, and there's lots of different types of stressors. Toxins are a big one and tap water can be a big source of that um, for people if we're not, um, getting a clean source of drinking water so yeah so that I say I try to be welcoming but then if I talk too long I'm like oh there are I mean you have to be careful you have to use yeah. wisdom you have to be thoughtful about what you're putting into it to the body because the default of what's coming out of this world like you know the default is not what's most optimal for health yeah no absolutely so I do you know if there are women out there that are like oh I want to learn more I want to, you know, do more things uh, health-wise. So where can, you know, they start with you? Where can they find you? Yeah. 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 Awesome. So 
my main my main um, platform and where I have most of my content is on my Instagram, and that's um, at Alexandra Radway, just my name. So I do share a lot of information there. If you're like, hey, I I, I want to do this, I want to have this like a proven roadmap to follow. Um, I want to know the exact steps you take, and I forgot to mention too, I kind of skipped an important part of my story, which is. You know, I had that first pregnancy experience. I wasn't sure. Like, I was like, I don't want to, like, I really, like, I want another baby more than anything, yeah. but I don't want to go through that experience the same way. Um, and so I basically essentially devoted my life to figuring out, okay, what can I do to put my body in a better position for my second pregnancy? And that's how I created what I call my pain free pregnancy protocol, which is really understanding the signs and symptoms of imbalance, supporting them before you become pregnant, the tools you can use to safely support and nurture your body during pregnancy to put it in the best possible position for a natural birth and easy postpartum recovery. And I actually like was able to work through that start to finish with my second pregnancy. And by God's grace, like we had a peaceful natural birth. Like, and I wasn't, I didn't explain, I wasn't, I didn't have any back pain. I didn't have any pelvic pain. I didn't have any organ pain. Like I just, and you know, things that like, if you listen, it's like, oh, well that's your genes. Like if it happened one time, it's probably going to happen again. And I just completely turned that on its head. And I was so, so thankful because I truly just loved, loved that pregnancy, loved that birth. And I just had the most like amazing year postpartum, like enjoying, um, the blessing, which is our little Mateo. And he was just this, I, yeah, this is a sweet baby. Mark was a sweet baby too, but yeah. I was feeling a lot better with Mateo <laughs> that first year. I honestly don't remember much of my first year with Marco, which makes me a little sad. Yeah. Um, but so that is essentially what I help women do is help them be able to replicate that in their own lives. So I help them identify, okay, are there like, do we have um, any foundational work that we need to do before getting pregnant, right? Do we need to change our diet? Do we need to change our sleep and hydration? Do we have any, like, are any of our drainage pathways blocked? Do we have any um, chronic infections or chronic toxins, ex toxic exposures like mold or other things that haven't been identified? Working through all of those before we get pregnant. So we enter pregnancy in a balanced state and then just have everything we need to keep it all running. Uh, and give our bodies everything they need to be able to birth naturally without intervention. Um, and I believe by, if you have that, I believe that's like God's blueprint for pregnancy and birth. And I think it's like the way he designed it. It, what, it, it was a beautiful thing. It is a wonderful experience for women to go through. Um, and um, unfortunately it's the brokenness of this world that robs that from women. So it's really just trying to combat that. So women that like can really like, just be like they know like even if they know it it's like I want them to know it in their hearts and motherhood yeah. is this beautiful gift of a thing but I also want them to be able to experience that um and I think most um most like westernized modernized women um are, are kind of robbed from that because of the way that we um because of the type of support they're given during preconception pregnancy and birth mm. Well, thank you so much for, you know, coming on here and talking about what you do. I absolutely love it. And I definitely think we need more support and more women like you in this world helping 
us women figure out our bodies and how to support them. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Annalise. I really appreciate the opportunity. I was just praying. I'm like, I need to get on some podcasts. And then you just <laughs> throw it to my DMs, which was, I was like, great, perfect. Uh, and I yeah. just want, like, I appreciate, like, what I appreciate about the work that you're doing is like, yes, motherhood comes with challenges. Womanhood comes with challenges. And instead of like ignoring them or hiding, like we should talk about them because that's the only way we can find the solutions, right? Because there's solutions out there for women. But if no one's talking about the difficulties, like no one's going to be working on the solutions. So that's I like, we, and we don't want to just be like, oh, this is so hard. Like, woe yeah. is me. That's not going to help. But like, yeah. we need to acknowledge like, this is a, it is not easy yeah. to grow a whole nother person, right? And birth <laughs> yeah. them and then feed, you know, feed them from your body for the next, you know, one to three years and all of those things like that's, that's not easy. That's a very significant thing that women do. Yeah. Um, but yet it's treated like, oh, it's no big deal. Like, Oh, two weeks later, get right back to work and all of these things. And I just think that is, um, if, if we neglect the reality, of, like the, the, the magnitude of, of, of what women go through to, to, to bring life into this world, um, and the challenges that can come along with that, then there's no hope to ever actually, um, provide women the support and solutions that they need and, and, and really deserve in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So Keep it up. Thank you, Annalise. <laughs> yeah, thanks. All right. Well, I will uh, talk to you later. Thank you. You too. I really, I really appreciate um, you wanting to, to listen to me. And, yeah. uh, and uh, I hope I didn't give you too hard of an editing job. No, so thank no, you, Elise. <laughs> All right. You have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. I definitely walked away from this interview with a few things that I would love to start implementing in my life. For example, the whole sunlight thing and just getting up early and starting your day with the sun. I think I didn't realize how important that is, and especially with two little ones. I don't have the energy to get up, but I definitely think starting that routine and forcing myself to get up will probably give me a lot more energy than I currently have. So it would really help if y'all leave a comment, a review on Apple Podcasts, and Spotify and just share with your friends and all the women in your lives this podcast. This is Elise Weathers and I'll see you next week on Womanhood in the Rough.